Oh, come on, let's give God some praise this morning. You can do better than that. Let's give God some praise this morning. He is truly an incredible God. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you and we thank you for the bountiful way you continue to grace us and bless us every single day. And as we come to this moment, we're grateful to see another month, fresh month in this year, 2019. And we pray that once again, we'll always acknowledge your goodness every single day. So Lord, thank you for the atmosphere that has been set. Participants who have once again ushered us into the throne room of your grace. And now, God, it's our time to hear a word from you. I pray that you would once again challenge us and speak to us. We need to hear, God, what you have to say to us. So now, God, use me. Think with my mind. Speak with my tongue. My simple prayer today is to be helpful in someone's life. That once again, be faithful understanders of the word of God. So, God, have your way. This is our prayer in the precious name Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Come on, put those blessed hands together again. Hallelujah. I invite you to turn with us to Daniel chapter 4. Once again, continuing our series, maintaining the standard. I hope it has been beneficial. Once again, I'm, let me thank you. I know I said it in the video, but let me say it again uh, for your benevolence on last week for Education Weekend. Come on, let's thank God for that. Let's thank God. Hats off to our deacons, those who participated and shared. We thank God for each and every one of you. And well on our way to exceeding, hopefully, um, the uh, amount we had hoped to raise. But also, let me thank you for you helping those who have been afflicted uh, through the shutdown. And so, once again, I appreciate each of you being the hands and feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, once again, give yourselves a hand for just being a gracious congregation. And we really thank God for that. Daniel chapter 4, we're going to probably break this up into two parts. And today I need you to preach with me. Uh, it's not a long thought, but just a thought I'm lifting from Daniel 4. Uh, I'll deal with really which is the preponderance of what I believe is the thesis of Daniel 4. Because next week we're going to talk about pride. And if all of us know, I know you don't want to say it out loud, but we all struggle from time to time with pride. And on next week, we'll look at it from the vantage point of King Nebuchadnezzar, whose pride caused him to find himself doing some things no one ever thinks they will do. And so we'll deal with that on next week. But I want to lift up just a small thought um, in Daniel 4 uh, of this interaction between Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's begin reading around verse 18. Allow me just to give some principles today, and I hope they'll make some sense as we once again try to be faithful expositors of the word of God. Daniel 4, beginning around verse 18, I'm reading from the message translation, and this is the word of God. This is what I, King Nebuchadnezzar, dreamed. It's your turn, Belshazzar, interpreted for me. None of the wise men of Babylon could make heads or tails of it, but I'm sure you can do it. You're full of the divine Holy Spirit. At first, Daniel, who had been renamed Belshazzar in Babylon, was upset. The thoughts that came swarming into his mind terrified him. Belshazzar, the king said, stay calm. Don't let the dream and its interpretation scare you. My master said, Belshazzar, I wish this dream were about your enemies and its interpretation for your foes. The tree you saw that grew so large and sturdy with its top touching the sky, visible from the four corners of the world, 
the tree with the luxurious or luxuriant foliage and abundant fruit, enough for everyone, the tree under which animals took cover and in which birds built nests, you, O king, are that tree. You've grown great and strong. Your royal majesty reaches sky high and your sovereign rule stretches to the four corners of the world. For the part about the holy angel descending from heaven and proclaiming chop down the tree, destroy it, but leave stump and roots in the ground, belted with the strap of iron and bronze in the grassy meadow. Let him be soaked with heaven's dew and take his meals with the grazing animals for seven seasons. This, O king, also refers to you. It means that the high God is sentenced, my master, the king. You'll be driven away from human company and live with the wild animals. You will graze on grass like an ox. You will be soaked in heaven's dew. This will go on for seven seasons. And you will learn that the high God rules over human kingdoms and that he arranges the kingdom affairs. The part about the tree stump and the roots being left means that your kingdom will still be there for you after you learn that it is heaven that runs things. So king, take my advice. Make a clean break from your sins. Start living for others. Quit your wicked life and look after the needs of the down and out. Then you will continue to have a good life. For the time which is ours, just for a little while, I want to trouble your patience with this thought. I want to talk about managing the assignment of access. Managing the assignment of access. Lift those hands to heaven and say, Lord, speak. We need to hear. You may be seated in the presence of God. Managing the assignment of of access. As we have been journeying through the book of Daniel, I hope that you've seen the trajectory for which the storyline is meant to implicate. As once again, the story of Daniel is supposed to give us the insight and the foresight to see how God protects, sustains, and strengthens his people even in a foreign land. Really, in essence, what we began to navigate through the narrative of this story is we see how God prospers and favors those and puts them in prosperous positions, even in a government that seems antithetical to God. How God can still allow us to do well in godless environments. I hope that has been what you've been noticing and, and been trying to comprehend, to understand that even though we may be in some circumstances, some environments and atmospheres that do not honor God, when we stay committed to God, God will keep us afloat. God will do his best to make sure that when we are faithful, he'll stay faithful to us. Is that anyone's testimony today? That as you look over life, especially in this day and age, as we see it seems like government is far away from God, institutions are moving farther away from God, we're at a moral crisis within our own culture and our own country. But here's the truth, my brothers and sisters, no matter how far the world strays from God, we must stay committed to God. And in staying committed to God is when God begins to be glorified through our life, our worship, and our witness. And as we come to Daniel chapter 4, it's intriguing for us to, to notice some things. Let me share what I think is very powerful about this chapter because it is one of only the few chapters in all of Scripture that it comes solely from the perspective of a pagan. Matter of fact, if I was to spend time in this chapter, I'll deal probably more with it on next week. Of this chapter, Daniel 4, comes from the mind, the perspective, the outlook of King Nebuchadnezzar. We've heard about him from Daniel 1, 2, and 3, but now we seemingly come to what is literally his curtain call. This is the last instance that we'll have with King Nebuchadnezzar. And regardless of what you have experienced with him in the first three chapters, we can admit that Dan, King Nebuchadnezzar has some ups and he has some downs. 
On one hand, he's a prospering king that has taken his country to heights that they've never seen. But on the other hand, he still is reluctant to call on God. And every instance has been really a moment for him to try to figure out how he can navigate what that means. And as we come to Daniel chapter 4, it's important because uh, this comes from his perspective. When we read Daniel chapter 4, this is King Nebuchadnezzar speaking. If I had time, I would submit to you that literally what many scholars have suggested that Daniel 4 was what he was given as a warning to other leaders as he was once again leaving a treatise behind, trying to remind them that unless you keep God first, your kingdom will fail. That's why when you read the opening of Daniel 4, he gives honor and homage to God. But in Daniel 4, he speaks of a situation that reminds him of how serious and how faithful he must continue to be with God. That's why when we come to the conclusion of Daniel 4, what we see is King Nebuchadnezzar for seven seasons grazing the grass like an animal. <laughs> That part of his consequence, the punishment that God gave to him because of his pride and his inability to once again look out for the least. And then God says your punishment is that you're going to grovel on the ground like an animal. And yet when it comes by the end of Daniel chapter 4, he comes to his senses. God graces him and allows him to come back. And Daniel 4 ends with King Nebuchadnezzar coming back into his kingdom. That is the last we get to hear of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I will admit to you in my time of study, I was going to spend the entire time just preaching just this one piece about King Nebuchadnezzar's life. I was going to spend time with this whole notion of pride. But yet when I read it, Brother Richardson, something caught my attention and force me to once again re-examine this text because the text is powerful not just for the sense of what it teaches us about the danger of pride but there was something else that caught me that God sent an emissary God sent someone to warn King Nebuchadnezzar that unless he changes his ways that his life would end up like it was prophesied and in our text it was Daniel that was once again sent to once again have the ear of King Nebuchadnezzar. That in essence, all that happened to King Nebuchadnezzar could have been avoided if we'd have heeded what Daniel had to say. And I will admit, I thought just briefly, God gave me permission. He said, Goodman, before you rush the King Nebuchadnezzar, I really want you to talk to someone that stands in the shoes of Daniel. Because in our text, even though Daniel 4 is all about King Nebuchadnezzar, it's the secondary character. It's Daniel, who's called Belshazzar in Babylon, who drew my attention because here in our text, in all that King Nebuchadnezzar had, he had one person he trusted, one person that was assigned his ear. And that person was Belshazzar, Daniel, my brothers and sisters. God had graced him with access, access to speak to someone that no one else could speak to. And God spoke to me because in all of our lives, we may be King Nebuchadnezzar, but what happens when you're the Belshazzar in the situation? What happens if someone, God, has graced you with the ability to help them and speak to them and, and encourage them and yet also warn them? What happens, my brothers and sisters, when God assigns us access? And all that I've been thinking, especially in lieu of what we've been experiencing as a country, I, I wonder who's speaking to people, who is having someone's ear. It seems now, my brothers and sisters, we, we try to spend time on our own, but all of us know that God will never let us go without someone who has influence over our lives. Who speaks to you? Who, who has access to your ears? In other words, who is God uniquely putting you in favor with that you can speak to and give revelation and give help? Because you might just be the Belshazzar in someone's life. 
And my brothers and sisters, I wonder as we began to ponder what that means for us today, as we look at the assignments God puts on us, I know, my brothers and sisters, most of us want the assignment of prosperity. We want the assignment of promotion. But what if God's assignment for you in this season is not a season of promotion, but a season of access? What if God is giving you the ability to speak into someone's life a word that could stop them from going down a road that is destructive? And my brothers and sisters, how many of us have people that we know God has prompted us and pushed us and told us, say something to them, help them, because if they keep going, they're going to fall into ruin. But sometimes we oftentimes don't embrace the assignment of access. Sometimes may it be fear or may it be our own prejudices. Maybe it could be something that causes us not to speak when we should speak. But here in our text, Daniel, Belshazzar, speaks up for King Nebuchadnezzar. And even though King Nebuchadnezzar does not heed his advice, it does not stop Belshazzar from still speaking into his life. And I want to submit to you, my brothers and sisters, here's the critical question I really want you to ponder today. What ears or whose ears has God assigned for you? Who is he asking you to speak to? Who is he asking you to help along this journey? My brothers and sisters, all of us, whether it's on your job, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's someone that you have relationship, maybe it's a mentor or mentee. I'm not sure who it is, but what I am submitting to you is that there is danger when you do not use the access God has given to you. That's my brothers and sisters what I simply want to talk today is not long, just a few thoughts that really came to my mind as we peruse the pericope of this passage. It's interesting to me that what we began to see is that God wants to know, will you step up when you need to? Will you speak when needed? Will you share when needed? Or will you sink back and allow ruin to come into someone's life? My brothers and sisters, that's what brings us to this text. Let me lift up three things that I see here very briefly. And I really want us to think through this together. There are some things that I believe is interesting. Once again, this verse, this, this chapter is from the perspective of King Nebuchadnezzar. What does that mean? What does King Nebuchadnezzar do? And how does King Nebuchadnezzar allow Daniel, Belshazzar, in the passage to speak to him, to influence him, and yes, to even impact him? Here it is, my brothers and sisters. The first thing I want us to think through as we consider this notion of the assignment of access is that the first thing I want you to know why I believe King Nebuchadnezzar allowed Daniel to speak to him is because number one, you got to have a proven track record of faithful stewardship with others. In other words, what I'm submitting for us today, the reason why King Nebuchadnezzar could trust Daniel Belshazzar is because Belshazzar Daniel had already proven his impact earlier. In other words, my brothers and sisters, I, I come to this simple thought that there is no way that King Nebuchadnezzar would call on Daniel in chapter 4 if Daniel had not spoke to him in Daniel chapter 2. In other words, my brothers and sisters, this was not a fly-by-night relationship. It had been proven time and time again. In essence, my brothers and sisters, before Daniel Belshazzar, according to Daniel 4, had an opportunity to tell King Nebuchadnezzar something, there was a relationship that had already been built. Let me help you, my brothers and sisters, because I hear what some of you saying, some of you spooky saints that declare you got this word from God and you're going to speak to everybody God has given to you. Let me 
warn you, my brothers and sisters, that unless there is relationship built, unless there has been a proven track record of you at least allowing yourself and being in that person's life, no one with any good sense is going to receive what you got to say if you have not proven yourself in the past. Y'all ain't going to help me here. Let me submit to you, my brothers and sisters. Be careful. I don't know about you because a whole lot of people can come to you and say what thus says the Lord. But if there has not been anything proven along the way, if there has not been a relationship along the way, if they have not shown themselves to be a faithful steward to you along the way, if they can't help you not just in the good times but in the bad times, my brothers and sisters, it proves to me that they're really not someone worth listening to. Let me tell you why King Nebuchadnezzar in our text was able to receive. Watch this. Matter of fact, when you read verse 18, he went to him. He literally said, look, man, everybody else can't do it, but I know you can. Why? Because you have proven yourself in the past. And most of us haven't yet taken the time to develop the relationship, the, the ability to, to grow and groom with somebody else. And here, what I appreciate about Daniel, Belshazzar in Daniel 4, is that over time he has proven himself in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. That's why the Bible is clear. You speak the truth in love. In other words, what I'm submitting to you uh, is that you've got to be a relationship first. You've got to prove yourself before you have the right and the validity to say anything to anybody. Y'all ain't liking me. I want to help you. That's what the text says. Is that the reason why Daniel could speak in Daniel 4 is because of what he proved in Daniel chapter 2. What are you doing with your chapter 2s? Don't have to be big stuff. It can be small things. It can be something. But here... Daniel had already proven to King Nebuchadnezzar, I am someone that you can trust. And my brothers and sisters, when you have access, your track record speaks to you. Your track record speaks of your validity. Your track record speaks of what the weight of what you have to say. First principle is a proven track record of faithful stewardship with others helps in our assignment of access. But also notice that you must, number two, exercise discernment in the uncomfortable dealings with others. Verse 19 is intriguing because when you read it, the message translation pushes it, but all the translations suggest it, is that when Daniel's called to speak to King Nebuchadnezzar, he hesitates. Matter of fact, some translations and other scholarly reports of this text say that Daniel hesitated almost an hour before he came and spoke to the king. The weight of what he had to tell the king was not something easily he could digest. Unlike Daniel chapter 2 where he was just given the ability to reveal the dream, but Daniel chapter 2's dream was a little different. It was a dream that in essence applauded the royalty of King Nebuchadnezzar, the head that was golden, that was going to tell him eventually his kingdom would be uncertain by the kingdom of God. But in Daniel 4, it was a different thing. Daniel 2 was literally a good dream. It, it was one that could soothe and satisfy the narcissistic psyche of King Nebuchadnezzar. But Daniel 4 was a different dream. The dream that when the king gave it in the first 18 verses of Daniel chapter 4, he gives the image of this great large tree whose, whose branches and height went up to the sky and branches and stuff could be seen from all four corners of the world. And 
And the dream says that there would be a, an angel or some man, a divine entity would come down and, and after being ordered by Yahweh would then cut the tree down and the tree would fall to the ground and the trunk then the stump would still be there. Daniel knows what God is telling King Nebuchadnezzar. And here is what's interesting that for some reason through his time period with King Nebuchadnezzar he has now developed a sense of compassion for the king. It's interesting, my brothers and sisters, because we can tell by the way that he's responding that Daniel has some feelings for King Nebuchadnezzar. That in spite of being narcissistic and in spite of all his proclivities, Daniel now feels compassion. But he recognizes my compassion does not evict me from my convictions. Because I can love you, but I can't lie to you. I'm just trying to think through this with me. So he tells him, he says, King, I wish that I could tell you this dream, this tree was about your foes and your enemies. I, I wish I could tell you this was about those other countries. But dear King, hear my heart. This is about you. This is about you. This is God warning you that there is destruction around the corner if you don't change your outlook. Brings to mind that time when King David, who had decided not to go to war when it was wartime, and ended up finding himself in a mess with Uriah and Bathsheba, he came to the point of trying to wiggle his own way out of his own wicked decision. When the prophet by the name of Nathan had court with Dan, David, gave him the parable of, a, of a, a man that all he had in his life was his young ewe, this one little lamb that was his. He laid with him, Dr. Brown, and he fed him. He made him part of his family. But there was a rich man that had a whole lot of lambs, and he decided to take that one roll, poor man's lamb, and he took that man. And King Nathan, Nathan said to King David, David, what do you think should happen? King David said, that's unfair. That rich man shouldn't have did that. He should be prosecuted, punished. Matter of fact, his life should be taken. And Nathan looked the king in the eye and said, you are the man. And in that moment, facing his own mortality, David then goes into a period of mourning. All because of the words that were spoken from the prophet Nathan. And in that same moment, Belshazzar takes that place with King Nebuchadnezzar. And he tells them what the dream means. I appreciate this because it teaches us that there has to be some discernment when we are sharing in uncomfortable dealings. Not every conversation with people is going to be comfortable. And sometimes, I wish I had a witness, you've got to call on God's spirit to help you have some uncomfortable... See, y'all don't like me. See, most of us... I can tell the depth of your relationship with someone is not predicated on how you talk to them when everything's going well. 
But there are some moments you need to have the uncomfortable conversation that may make you uneasy, but you understand how to manage them because it's not just when you say it, it's not just how you say it, but you got to operate and say, God, guide my tongue. God, guide my thoughts. God, guide my correspondence. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. And sometimes, my brothers and sisters, true maturity for our spiritual walk is not how you talk to people when things are going well, but how can you talk to people when things are up around the corner? Look at somebody and tell them, you need discernment when it's uncomfortable. The true depths, my brothers and sisters, of this passage of scripture is intriguing to me because for all of us, we need to make sure that we're in the right state of mind, in the right state of the spirit to have some conversations. I appreciate how Daniel approaches this moment. Understanding what he has to say has to be the truth, but there's a certain way you should speak the truth. He comes, matter of fact, he, he um, strokes him a little bit. He comes to him and, and tells him the inactitude of the dream. And I'm impressed by it because too many of us don't spend time praying before we say anything. Maybe you can go back over life. I, I know I can. I can go back over the 39 years of living. And there are some conversations I wish I would have prayed before. Can I get a witness? I wish. Oh, if I could turn back the hands of time. There, there were some things I wish I could have got settled in my spirit before I decided to say something. Why? Because in that moment, I didn't understand the weight of the, of the, of the conversation. And how many of you have known that there's sometimes if it's not said right, it won't be received right? And sometimes, my brothers and sisters, you got to understand, I'm here to try my best to be God's emissary, God's vessel. And many times you got to make sure it's a spiritual situation. I appreciate this. And I don't know who I come to talk to before you make that command to that boss praying. Before you try to get that child right praying. Before you try to put that spouse in their proper place praying. Before you talk to that ministry leader that you've been wanting to get to and talk about all the stuff you don't like praying. Because discernment is necessary for uncomfortable situations. Here's a third one. Boldly challenge with spiritual focus based on godly directives with others. Daniel's, Belshazzar in the text, final interjection with King Nebuchadnezzar is he gives them the final thing that will ultimately prove to be the saving grace in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. Because verse 27 is, is Belshazzar saying after interpreting the dream, Belshazzar finally gives him, this is what the text says, so king, take my advice. Make a clean break from your sins. Start living for others. Quit your wicked life. Look after the needs of the down and out. Then you will continue to have a good life. Here, my brothers and sisters, he does not leave him hanging with destruction because God never gives us judgment without grace. Because God's main intent for all of us is never to see us destroyed. 
But he gives us warning to tell us, lest we change our ways, repent, turn from what has been causing us down a destructive path, then it's on you. But there's grace that's available. And Belshazzar becomes the voice of grace in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. His final word to him was like, look, this is God's word that destruction is around the corner, but it can change. Stop sinning. Turn from your wicked life. Have mercy on those who are the less fortunate. Stop making it about you. And then you will continue with a good life. I love this because I really will expound on it next week. Because it took some time, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen to him. Ultimately had to endure the punishment of seven seasons of grazing the grass like an ox. But when we end chapter 4, we'll note that for some reason the voice that was given to him in Daniel chapter 4 verse 27, it didn't come to fruition to the end of Daniel 4. It took him seven years to finally hear what Daniel was trying to tell him. But when it came, it turned his life around. Let me help you here because there'll be some who won't receive what you got to say. But here's the good news. When you put it out there, when you plant the seed, it may not bring a harvest right now. They may not change right now. They may seem to be upset right now, but when you plant the seed of godliness in someone's life, I'm here to tell you that there will come a season. Just you watch what you have planted will come to pass. I wish I had somebody that could help me because at the end of the day, you just want God's will to be done in someone's life. And if they don't receive it right now, that's not on you. You are still liable and still have to give the best of what you have because a day will come. I know it may not seem like it now but a word will happen come here parent that's why the bible says train up a child in the way they should go and when they get older they will not depart from it which means I know it seems like they are hard headed and not listening to you right now but I'm here to tell you that after a while God has a way of germinating that seed that you've deposited in their soul and in their spirit I'm here to help somebody that's why I don't get mad at the employee right now don't get upset with the boss right now don't get mad because they're not taking your way. Once you plant the seed, that is all you are reliable for. And watch God work. Because even after a season of going down, God has a way of bringing them back up. Excess. Daniel gives the word. But King Nebuchadnezzar still falls victim to his own pride. And what admonish what. What really impacted me from Daniel's perspective is that Daniel did what God called him to do even though it didn't stop the judgment in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. Let me free someone real quickly. You can only do what God calls you to do. Stop trying to be God to people in their lives. You just give the word of God. And I guarantee you that when you do what God gives you the assignment to do, let God then do his work. Everyone's standing. I'm done. I don't know who God wants you to speak to. 
I don't know who God has assigned you to. Now hear my heart. God's not assigning you to everybody. There's a reason why Belshazzar could speak to King Nebuchadnezzar. Because that was his assignment. And we must be mindful to understand who God gives us access to. Certain people that you may want to say something to them, but that's not your assignment, it's not going to work. So part of the prayer is, God, help me to discern, number one, my assignment. And then give me the access of my assignment. Every leader knows. Every leader has a confidant, has someone speaking to you. And I know, I've learned this in life. Who you allow to have access to your ears runs your life. So the prayer is, I have to be careful who I give access to. So if, 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 if you've been granted access to someone, that's not something to be looked at lightly or to be minimized. Because those kind of moments don't come very often. and they're, They should come with a lot of conviction and compassion at the same time. Next week, I'm going to deal with pride, which all of us can struggle with from time to time. And if you say you ain't struggling with it, then that's probably a good sign that you are struggling with it. Because it's prideful to say you ain't got pride. <laughs> it's not something we talk about a lot, but all of us, we wrestle with it. I want to deal with that the second half of chapter 4 which is this whole way that Nebuchadnezzar had to go down before God could bring him up. And I know we don't like to talk about that, but sometimes the trajectory of your promotion is not automatically up. Sometimes it's, it's first of all down. Because God can't do anything with a heart that's filled with pride. And give me, give me and I'm, I'm, I'm all in my stuff for next week. But let me also tell you, God ain't pleased with false humility either. Y'all tune in next week. We'll have some fun. <laughs>